Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. Not what? Not Samsung. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Rapcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, as per usual. And today, a very special episode with the Raptors taking their training camp elsewhere around Canada, playing their preseason games elsewhere in Canada. Uh, Raptors Republic typically doesn't have the funds to just send me everywhere. I mean, I already went to Vegas. The good news is that we have writers all over Canada, people who contribute all over Canada. And who was the man on the scene at training camp at the Raptors preseason game, but Tim Waring, for those who don't know, Tim W. If that name means something to you, it means something to you. If it doesn't, <laughs> this is Tim. We're here to talk basketball. Tim, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. How about you? I'm I'm doing great. I enjoyed the game last night. As as you well know, we have different ideas of optimism surrounding the team. I'm sure you enjoyed being As there always. covering the game. Yeah, of course. I did. I did. I, I, I enjoyed being there. Yeah. I mean, I like I love it when they come to Vancouver because then I can finally see them. I, I I have family in Toronto, but I rarely get back there during um, basketball season. So I don't get to uh, go to games, NBA games very often since the Grizzlies left. So that's very... You know, how how many games have they played in Vancouver now? Do you know off the top? I don't know off the top of my head. It's like maybe because uh, they, they have played games when they haven't had training camp. They had training camp 2014, 2018, and I covered both of their training camps. It's kind of like that. Like every three or four years, they, they come and play here. So, What's your favorite part about covering a training camp for the Raptors? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Just just being uh, like right there and and watching what the uh, the players uh, do, like to to prepare and and um, how they interact with each other, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a view that you don't normally see. So that's as, uh, I like as somebody that. who coaches. Is there a large difference between the way they run, how they go move through? You know, like hey. We're all playing together. This is practice. This is training camp and what you might run on a, on a given day. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, I, I coach basketball as well. Uh, high school boys, uh, senior boys. And um, I'm just entering the third year. And uh, I had previously, this is background you probably don't need, but I had coached my daughter's soccer team. Uh, but I don't know anything about soccer. So I was just doing training and stuff. And then she aged out and it was suggested that I coach this team. And it's very different, very different. Uh, soccer, like inter- it was uh, just league soccer, low level league soccer, girls to boys. 
And um, one of the things that they, uh, you know, I talked to them and one of the things that they mentioned fairly early was uh, they want me to be a bit more um, strict with them, which I thought was funny, less joking around. Um, And, you know, um, I'm getting off track here, obviously, but uh, which I do, I will warn you right now. Um, But I, I do find it uh, sometimes hard to control them a little bit. You know, they're, they're high school boys and the, uh, the NBA players are definitely more locked in. (laughs) I mean, they have fun, but um, yeah, half of the time. And I mean, half of the time I'm, I'm trying to go over things that half of the players get right away. And half of them don't. We don't have a lot of experienced players. And so, uh, like, we'll go over something again and again and again and again. And there's, like, some of them are still not getting it. And so I watch the the uh, the NBA players with, you know, a lot of uh, um, uh, envy because I think, you know, they just, they move, they move through things a lot quicker. Yeah, and uh, that's actually something Jamma said. I can't remember whether it was in the no, no, it's not in the video I posted. But I'm going to be posting a couple more videos, and one of them with the full um, Jamma uh, video. And he talked about what he learned in Golden State was just uh, keeping things really tight and getting rid of the fluff in in practice. And uh, yeah, there's still. I still have a lot of fluff in practice, but, uh, you know, unfortunately it's necessary just because the, the level of, of, uh, knowledge and, and even just, um, understanding what I'm saying is there's a big difference for, for a lot of, for a lot of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it it doesn't surprise me that NBA players would be more receptive to basketball terms, terminology, (laughs) what you're running on the floor. As, as Tim said, though, there is a forthcoming interview with Jamma Malalela. Um, We're not sure exactly when, but it will be on the Raptors Republic YouTube channel. Stay tuned. Um, And there's also something else coming. Yeah. The Jamma video was great. I I interviewed him just quickly uh, um, back in 2014. Uh, and we talked a lot about Bruno. Um, and I remembered how great he was on video. And so I, uh, I requested to, uh, to interview him and he's, he's just so insightful and he doesn't do the canned responses, which I, I really appreciated. Um, that's actually one thing I found about, uh, I, you know, Darko's great. He, he talks a lot. And one of the, uh, one of the things that he, uh, I can't remember, I think it was, um, Green or I can't remember who it was, was saying that he talked to one of the players and he said, Darko has talked to me more than Nick nurse talked to me the entire, uh, training camp or something like that. He does talk a lot and he's great. I, I spoke to him, you know, on the side, but a lot of it is, is it's, I don't want to say it's practiced, but, um, there can responses. There's the responses that you can see that the, you know, the head office going, yep, that's what we want to say. Whereas JAMA, it's, it's a little bit more, 
you know, spur of the moment stuff. It's not, it's not stuff that you think, okay, well, this is just, you know, um, uh, communications, uh, PR. It's not sure. PR. Well, that's, that's um, probably, I mean, it could account for the fact that Darko is being asked questions and constantly just find himself referring back to high post 0.5, all this kind of stuff. And so I did find it interesting that on the broadcast, they had Darko explaining what 0.5 basketball is as if, and I like Darko, don't get me wrong, but it's not his invention. And basically every head coach across the league is going to use the term 0.5 basketball. Um, You can go back to like 2012 and find people saying it, but it's a good way to kind of um, get the viewers familiar with these offensive tenets. And what you said about Jama, as far as picking things up in Golden State, Golden State, a team led by Steph Curry, who is on wax saying the worst thing you can do without the ball is stand still. And the Raptors from last season to this season, they ran a lot of the same sets. I've, you know, uh, documented and wrote about a lot of what the Raptors have run over the past few years. There was a lot of similarities. The big difference is the hurriedness and quickness with which they moved off of the original set and kept running actions at the back end of the shot clock. And that is more like the Warriors and less like the Raptors of last year. Um, Tim, yeah. how do you feel about your ability to diagnose vibes? Good? Bad? Uh, good. I mean, normally good. It was hard to to gauge from what I saw. Because, I, I mean, I don't. we don't get to watch the whole practice. Right. We, uh, it, you know, they a bit of background they they ask us to get there at 11 knowing that we won't get yes. into the gym until 12 30. so i've never understood that i mean they this is the third year i've done this and it's the same thing every time it's like they they and they tell you be here at 11. and arrive so no later than watch, 11 30. sorry arrive no later than 11 30. exactly yeah <laughs> so you can get in there at 12 30. Yeah. um and so we get it after the we get in after the the practice is done and what they're doing really is uh, shooting drills and things like that. Um, the last day we did see a little a little bit of the the practice, but only with the uh, the deep bench guys. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm prefacing uh, prefacing that uh, it was they were good vibes generally. Um, I mean, I, I think it was, might've been you that was talking about how, uh, Pascal was laughing and stuff, even in, in practice, he was the most gregarious, uh, player and, uh, him and him and Chris Boucher, I mean, they were shoot, doing shooting drills together, but those two were, um, uh, always having fun and, um, they and it's, they do shooting contests at the end. So there's a lot of competition. Yeah. Um, a... Scotty, uh, funnily enough, and I know funnily isn't a word, um, seemed more serious, uh, during the, uh, the shoot arounds than, uh, than even, uh, Pascal or, um, or Chris. So I thought that was funny. Um, the one thing that I found vibe wise is, um, it was, I, I think it actually, it was in the interview, um, precious, when asked about Darko, seemed I, I almost like he was hedging what he was saying. He didn't want to. 
Uh, he, I mean, it wasn't a lot of praise. So I thought that was interesting. Um, it was, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you remember how he, I, I can't remember exactly what he, he used, but they, he, he would never say anything that, uh, I mean, he, he spoke like a politician, basically. Sure. He didn't want to say that, uh, yeah, no, no, Darko's doing great. He's, uh, my, my role is, is doing, you know, is, uh, I'm, I'm really liking my role. It was, it was, well, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, things are, uh, it, it was all holding his opinion until later which I thought was interesting. I'm not quite sure what that means. Similar to Pascal on media day then. Pascal was, yes. you know, they, and I said, but I think that's, that's maybe it's year four for Precious. You know, we're talking about a little bit more PR because Precious is a guy who actually, when you interview him, he's very forthcoming. Like he's very, he's quick witted. He wants to like banter with you sometimes. And he's very, yeah. like, he's very funny. Um, use the term gregarious earlier for for Pascal. Like that's something that Precious also embodies. This season, he might be measuring his words a little bit more, and that also might be the result of a bit of conditioning with Nick Nurse being um, kind of a hard ass on him last season, both within oh, the organization maybe. and also publicly. You know, I, I think there was like six different times last season, at least when I was in the media room, where um, Precious caught something out of the like left field um, from Nick. Yeah. So this, you know, players, their commentary is shaped. And that also might be something that, because everybody was talking about last season, you couldn't get three minutes out of Scotty or Gary. Both of them seem a little bit more forthcoming in the press conference situations this season. Maybe it's just preseason. Yeah. Maybe the PR, maybe the team says, hey, part of, you know, your job is media. And you guys are being promoted as like a larger part of the team this season. Fred is gone. And Fred, you know, if four players talk, Fred's post-game availability is going to take up, you know, 14 of the 22 minutes of talking, something like that. Yeah. We need more from you guys. Please be more forthcoming. This is a small, it's not meaningful, super, like it's not super meaningful to anybody who doesn't cover the team, but you can probably expect more rewarding quotes out of Gary and Scotty, especially this season. And I guess we'll see what happens with Precious and, and Pascal and the guys who are a little bit more measured. But also I can understand why players wouldn't immediately say like, Darko has fixed everything, big old, big brain, genius Darko. Um, I understand yeah. the urge from the front office's point of view, they're like, we hired this guy. He's going to change everything. He did a pretty good job in the first game of getting the team to follow through on some of his, his core tenets offensively. And the bedrock of the defense was in such a good place. But I think that's, that's probably where that stuff is coming from. But the vibes is like, it's all subjective anyway. Right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, the, totally. Like Pascal, he felt awkward talking about the selfishness as he should. Yeah. He felt awkward talking about his contract situation as he should. Both of those, as far as the messaging from the organization on his contract has been weird. The messaging from the organization on the selfishness around the team has been weird. He's probably like, I don't really know how to talk about this stuff. But he closed off yeah. media day saying, I feel blessed to play this game the way that I do. And when he's out on the court, practice, the game otherwise 
you're playing basketball, man, with guys you've yeah. known for a long time. Like there's smiles, there's laughs, there's lots of, and you're still the vet, right? You're still responsible for yeah. helping bring these guys along. So um, there's a lot of subjectivity to it, but the brass the brass tax is like there's some stuff going on behind the scenes, but the the important thing is like these guys are paid to go play basketball and. Pascal Siakam isn't James Harden or Kyrie Irving or anything like that. Like he's, he's going out there to hoop. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, there are a lot of players who should uh, take a cue from Pascal about how to, how to behave when you're, you're unsure about your situation. Um, Somebody might've been traded uh, already uh, down in, in Houston (laughs) or uh, in Philadelphia. If, uh, if they behave a bit more like uh, Pascal. He's he's a pro's pro. So, he's really easy. He is. He is. Yeah. And I I think that part of that is just his personality. He's he's yeah, yeah different than than those guys you mentioned. So yeah, and different um, like and also those guys had been groomed for a long time with you know people acquiesced, and Pascal's never had anyone acquiesce to him. He's he's kind yeah. of like get along to go along all that kind of stuff, and which is why I think. It was surprising to hear the talk about him fitting in because that just seems like a given. But yeah, he he will fit in. What what did you think of his game? By the way, that first game in the Darko, you know, system. What do you think of how he was used? How he inputted his game? Uh, well, I mean, there was also the open gym, so we got a bit of that right. too. It's hard to say. I mean, um, obviously, very different from uh, last year. Um, but I think he's kind of, uh, I think it's hard to tell from, from the, from these games, just because I don't think he's really doing much at this point. Um, but it is, it is different. I'm not quite sure. I'd like to watch a few more games to truly understand what, uh, what they're having him do. Cause at this point, yeah, I mean, I mean, I also, uh, you know, I couldn't watch as much as you because I'm, I'm also taking pictures. So yes, totally. uh, I, I, I did want to watch it again just so I could watch the whole thing without, uh, you know, being being within the, this... the sixteen by nine box. Surely, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because I, I, that's the one thing about uh, when I'm taking pictures is uh, I don't get to watch as much of the entire game as I'd like. I mean, I did sit back a few times and watch just so I could I could see. Um, I thought it was interesting. I, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what to say about uh, Pascal, but um, the the initial they're not. I didn't think they did a great job initially getting into any of the sets that they wanted to. Um, I thought they did a better job when those sets didn't work, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, they're, the cutting, I, I think what they want is, yeah, like you get it into the post and then have the cuts. And, and yeah, I, that seemed a bit rough at this point, but that's not, that's understandable. I mean, they're also not running a lot of their sets. Darko said that uh, they don't, was it? Oh, no, that was Mike Brown. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, the, I mean, they may not even be running uh like 99% of their, of their sets just, just yet. So 
it's just getting into the movement. So it's understandable that they're that you know that the sets look rough because you know. Well, it's they also don't really that have anything at this point for people to be convinced of change, you don't actually have to change anything. You just have to tell them it's changed. Like for example, <laughs> the first play the Raptors run ran for their first preseason game under Darko was you know a rip dribble handoff. Yeah, and they ran Scotty off of staggered screens to get there, and then so Scotty comes off the stagger gets the ball, the Raptors, functionally, it works like a horn set. They get into horns, except I believe it was OG isn't directly in the corner. He's closer to sitting like at the hash mark extended, 45 extended. And Scotty enters the ball to Jakob, comes off a chin screen where Schroeder, the small, is trying to create either a switch or an edge for him to cut and for Jakob to make the high-low pass. The Raptors ran that a ton under Nick Nurse. They just ran a staggered yeah. action to get into it. They eventually flow into a dribble handoff, which Schroeder doesn't really take anywhere. Eventually, they shift it back to Siakam, who drives and misses a layup. But it was a decent look. Siakam did get a step on his guy. I believe it was Harrison Barnes was pretty sloppy on the closeout. You'd like to see him use the glass, finish with his left. But it worked. There was more movement. There were more initial screens getting into it. That's what Darko promised. But yeah. at the core of it, the action they were running the was the same. Yeah. But yeah. that's NBA basketball. Like, you, and you, you have screens, dribble handoffs. That's kind of what you're getting into. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, one of the things I, I tell my, my players is basketball's not that complicated. You guys make it way more complicated than it should be. You know, Yes, we we have our offense and things like that, but make it simple. And if you and and NBA players know that by the time they're on at this level, they know that. And so it's really you've got. I mean, you've got this the exact same building blocks in every single offense. That no one's you know no matter what they say, nothing in the NBA for you know. 99.9% of uh, of it uh, is groundbreaking or revolutionary. Everyone's running something fairly similar to one another. Even if it's, if it's new, like quote new, it's really just, you know, the same Lego bits put together slightly differently. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like a big thing is like these, that's why I use the terminology that coaches use. So if somebody's listening to the podcast or reading the article, they quickly know what I'm talking about without having to see it. But the, what I try and urge is that the terminology isn't really important. If you can notice advantages being gained and you don't know what to call it, you're watching basketball yeah, the right way. Matter. If you know where yeah. the players are getting their advantages, you get basketball, you see it happening. And so players largely get advantages in isolation with a manipulative handle or really being able to leverage their pull-up jump shot or a really quick first step, they get it off of screens. Some of that comes through screen craft by the screener. Some of that comes by how the guy is able to move his defender into an angle so he'll hit more of the screen and, you know, your on-ball skills afterwards. And some of that is off-ball screening, which can be elevators, which can be pin-ins, which can be pin-downs, whatever you want to do it. But a lot of it is like you're beating a guy, or you have your teammates stepping in front of a guy. And the Lego pieces, how you put them together. Um, Darko 
was putting more Lego pieces in every action than Nick Nurse was. The Raptors yes, were, yes. they lamented the idea of flattening out into ISO as often as they were last season. And even the isolations, I think, came quicker because they're like, okay, we got the ball here. For example, they run, you know, Pascal's first assist is Pascal gets the ball on the wing after, you know, an angled pick and roll for Schroeder and Jakob doesn't go anywhere. And he quickly identifies, okay, I can get middle because Barnes is allowing me that space. De'Aaron Fox has shifted down to dig coming off of Schroeder. Pascal goes to Schroeder. He hits an above the break three. Not typically in his bag, but he hits it. That's like good identification, but it also was just like a flatten out attack a guy. His second bucket is the ball goes ahead. He has an empty side for an isolation, goes middle, spins, banks it in with the right hand. Simple stuff, but early clock isolation. And then when they used him as like a, you know, off ball, they run this gut Chicago action where they're not running it from the sideline like most people, but they run it straight out of the middle and Schroeder sets that first screen. He comes off of the handoff with Jakob. He turns the corner for an end one because Chris Duarte can't, can't keep up with him in space. Like yeah. some of that's old, but the gut Chicago yeah. action is new. I like to see it. We'll see how that happens when Javal McGee isn't the big guarding it and doesn't notice, like he didn't notice that he had the tag guarding Jakob, so he committed too yeah. much. Like all this stuff, yeah. but also on the other hand, and I'm rambling at this point, but running a bunch of actions is a good way to make teams keep up with you and give several efforts defensively. So eventually the barriers break down. And that's that's oh, totally. cool, baby. Well, and actually Darko mentioned that how um wants uh he wants the, the defense to not just cover yep. the one uh action but multiple actions. And that's the one thing that, you know, did not happen very much last year is it would be one action and then isolation. Yeah. And yeah, it, it got boring and it got easier to, to guard. Um, and that's, you know, that's why they ended up uh, what 25th in uh half, half court. court um, offense, yeah. 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 And just, I have to say, uh, just seeing what I've seen so far, the half court is much better. And like you said, people are moving. And that's something that didn't happen last year. And also, um, I think, just quickly, there's the Raptors were a really low turnover team last season. They were 10th in passes per game. Most of their passes, though, were the pitch plays above the break. Passes of no yeah. consequence. Just bumping yeah. the numbers up. They had 29 turnovers to their 30 assists last night. That's terrible. But at least what you can accept is that a lot of their turnovers were interior passes where there's a high ceiling for if there's a good outcome. Whereas like a lot of yeah. the passes they made last year, there's no ceiling to it. It's just transfer from one player to another. At least there's a bit of daring to it. You know, there's a bit of yeah. adventure to what they're trying to accomplish. And they should realize some of their limitations on what passes to throw, and they'll figure out more stuff that works. Um, I'm, I've been saying, talking about this team prior to all this kind of stuff, I'd be shocked, shocked if they make it into the top two-thirds as far as half-court offense, considering the, the lack of shooting on the team. But yeah, last game was a really good indicator of churning through sets, churning through your actions, 
through the full 20, 20 seconds or so that you're running in the half court, you're going to slip through the cracks on occasion. And for anybody who's interested in small sample size theater, they were 94.5 points per 100 possessions in the half court last season. They were 96 in last night's game. Does that mean anything yeah. to you when 905 guys play half the game? I'm not sure. But there there are some numbers for anybody who likes those to, to latch on to, I suppose. Did you yeah. like the defense? And or go ahead. I well, I was I was gonna I was gonna mention the the three-point shooting. So um Sacramento shot 45 threes, Toronto shot 29, and both teams made 10. I don't think that's how the rest of the season is going to go. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, so, Sacramento, yeah, they, I mean, they, horrible process. Yeah. And, and um, Mike Brown said that they didn't have any half-court uh, sets that they were going to be running. So it's not surprising that their offense looked a bit... Um, I think they're focusing more on on defense at the beginning rightly so because that's their big their big Achilles heel um I don't you know think it was successful because <laughs> their defense didn't look great but um uh I have no idea where I was going with that well it's defense but also you know I guess we could start before we go all the way to defense a lot of people would like to hear conversations about Scotty and you were there covering him across the few days of training camp the open practice and then the preseason game. What did you make of the Raptors young star? Uh, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm a huge Scotty, Scotty Barnes fan, as are you. I, uh, I agree with pretty much, I mean, not surprisingly, everything you, you say about him. I think he's, uh, uh, I think he's got amazing, um, vision, uh, I mean, he's just a bully in the in yeah. the paint. I think uh, it, it's it's funny to see a guy that young. I mean, he's not that young anymore. What was twenty two now? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's just it, he looks like a like a thirty year old out there. The way he he bullies people. Um, I would like to I I would like to see him utilized a bit more. Uh, a lot of the action that he gets. It's almost like they're on broken plays, mm-hmm. um, which he's good at because he's such a smart player. Um, but I'd like to see him with the ball in his hands a bit more just because he is such a great passer. I mean, he's not as much in um, in the half court as in transition. In transition, he's, he's, he's great. Wonderful. Um, but um, I'd like to – I'd just like to see him pushed a little bit more uh, with getting the ball and initiating. I mean, he's not going to be, I, I mean, have you, as you've talked about, he's not great in the pick and roll. Uh, just the way his body is, you know what his body reminds me of? I, I was listening to your podcast last night and uh, his body reminds me a lot of Dennis Rodman. Sure. I said that when he was drafted, it's the same. I don't know what you call it. Structure. And, and a lot of the same limitations, like very athletic, but just almost awkward in his, in the way he, I don't know how to describe it, but 
I don't think I think that's what's holding him back on his. Uh, I don't think that's why he's ever going to be a great three point shooter. I think he can be a uh, like a a decent one. Um, maybe you know if he hits forty percent, I think that would be Incredible. fantastic. Yeah, but I think we're looking more probably thirty six as even as that. A, as I a think ceiling. is big. Like big time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but um, yeah, just something about his body. It's it it limits him the way he will be able to initiate both uh, um, for others and for himself. Um, and I think that's why he's uh, he's got to look more uh, at what magic uh i i know that uh, magic was a a big um uh, call for him yeah. yeah and uh i mean it's not exactly the same but magic didn't he wasn't beating people uh you know off the dribble as much it, a lot of i mean he was a little bit but uh i think that's more his comp than than uh smaller guys who can get around even though he's got the long steps he doesn't have a great quick first step <laughs> and like you said he he can't weave his body around around the pick and uh it's just yeah it's just something about the way he's built yeah, um it's but sorry go ahead well i was gonna say if anybody we might lose some people here but um for the biomechanics people there is a piece i wrote with there's a korean medical doctor who specializes in biomechanics. He goes bipolar. We co-wrote a piece in Scotty's, and he also works with a basketball team in Korea, but we co-wrote a piece on the biomechanics of Scotty Barnes. If anyone wants to understand like the minutia of why Scotty, it's more a guy who doesn't get very low, a guy who has really long legs, it's hard for him to get like really tight around screens as a defender and as an offensive player. And why, for example, with his long steps, it's better to get him instead of like with the ball squeaking through these tiny little spaces to get him on these curved drives where the length of his steps is more important than the quickness of his first step. And so there's like heaps of stuff in there. If anybody wants the, the deep dive from a guy who's way better at it than I am, you know, an, a, an MD who focuses on biomechanics for what it's worth. But um, just yeah. if anybody wants to really dive into the biomechanics, but yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, no, but I, I would like to see him uh, taking more responsibility or be, being given more responsibility in the half court sets and having having it run through him a bit more. Um, I, I was a bit disappointed how little he did uh, initiate or or get the ball. I mean, it perhaps I, I you know I didn't see as much. Like I said, I'm I'm seeing through this, so maybe I didn't see as much as I. Uh, I should have, but um, yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more and perhaps that will come. I think I, I think I had the same opinion as you. I think that they struggled to get OG, Pascal and Scotty, all of those guys, the ball in half court. And I think, you know, this is the piece I wrote, but a big part of why people felt really good about Scotty was because he was unbelievable in transition. But quietly, he didn't have that much going on in the half court. And part of that is because, you know, as far as like being the dribble hand, the guy coming off of a dribble handoff, he gets really wide really easily. As far as being the guy yeah. in the pick and roll, he gets really wide really easily. He's not 
driving downhill a bunch that's typically in transition off of a bully drive where he's turning his back, bashing guys down. Um, it's tough to get him the ball with Pascal. Um, the handle looked a little loose, so he wasn't really turning it downhill. Yeah. And with OG, he's just never been able to navigate those tight spaces with explosion. He likes to be in the big areas of the court. And OG, it looked good because he hit all of his shots, but he didn't touch the ball that often. The no, wings he didn't. weren't featured very much. And this is where Darko is going to have to be creative and going to have to be really disciplined in making sure that these guys get touches outside of transition. It should be interesting to see. But part of it is that Jakob is getting a ton of possessions. They want the guards on the other team to hit Jakob 28 times in a half. They want to yeah. run them ragged through these actions. So you keep getting these, you know, maybe you get an extra inch every single time you, you know, you're slipping back door, something like that. But the big thing is that I would love for Scotty to get a lot of the possessions as the guy making the decisions in the high post that Jakob is getting. But Jakob that's, can't, can't come off the top, you know? No. No, that's uh, – and that's exactly it. Um, uh, Darko mentioned uh, um, Jakob and Precious, Precious doing that. And uh, I, I should have asked him about whether he thought about putting Scotty in there because right now um, – I mean, without Precious, I don't know how, I mean, a groin, uh, what, what do they call it? A left uh, groin strain. It can be pretty strain. nebulous in how long it takes to get back, you know? Exactly. I mean, it could be could be a month. I don't know. I mean, it could be longer. I know people who've been out like months, like not known, but players who've been out months with, with similar injuries. I don't know how, how, um, uh, serious it is but uh yeah he he participated in the first day and we never saw him again so i imagine he's getting it looked at today because that was because they're back in toronto today and i wonder yeah. and and they had said when they sent out the the press release to media or whatever that they would look at it when he was back in toronto and update once okay. that was once that was happening so i guess we'll see hopefully it's not as bad as they think but that's an interesting thing too is that the Raptors ran some high post stuff through Precious last season as well. In their set actions, a lot of times, Scotty isn't the, the trigger man. And it makes yeah. sense to have the most, he is the most talented passer on the team. Like, there's no question about it. Pascal breaks the defense out of its shell more often. There's easier assists, of course. But as far as like C cut, put ball where it needs to be, nobody comes close to Scotty. And the construction of the team makes it so that hmm, maybe it's tougher to put him in those actions, which is something to look for, you know, going forward, depending on how they reshape things. But yeah, yeah, there's some meat. Yeah, on the I just think, yeah. And I mean, Darko seems to be the, the type of coach who would try and put players in their, the best situation that, uh, that fits them. And yeah, I mean, whether it means putting Scotty in the high and and Jakob, you know, uh, dunker spot uh, um, instead, of obviously, you know, he he doesn't have any range. Um, yeah. it, it that would make sense to me, or Scotty uh, being backup center. He's yeah. he's certainly big enough. I mean, 
and I only say that to fit the offense, to, to put him in the position that uh, that he he really should be in the offense. I, I mean, he did play center. Uh, I think he started at center a few games but last year. That's it, it's very nebulous, right? Like they've had OG Pascal yeah. and Scotty start at center. And it's, you know, they have like, they ran through this before Jakob came there, like democratic rim protection. Everybody has to have a piece of a drive. As somebody goes up, you don't have a standing rim protector. And also like, if you're running stuff through Scotty, which they did from like January 2nd to January 29th, they ran him at the center a lot. And they ran like high post stuff. They ran a ton of delay action. He was the handoff hub and he was great. Like just making these brilliant savant like reads but the thing is, if you put Scotty as the high post and you put Jakob in the dunker spot, any split action you run, the team doesn't have to worry because they have an you know an inherent help defender sitting there. Yeah. But it is yeah. like a two-on-one situation if you really get the edge, but without much runway. It's just it's complicated. But Yeah. Well, that's that's one reason why I was and am still uh puzzled by that Jakob trade I think he's a very good player yeah um you know in a you know on paper it seems like oh yeah this is exactly they need a they need a center who can protect the rim and uh I mean he's not a he's not a great shot blocker but he he's a good defensive player um but I don't yeah he doesn't have any range uh I mean even even from the free throw line, it's, I don't know what his percentage is, but I, he does not look even comfortable shooting from there. Yep. Um, and yeah, but I mean, that gets back to the whole shooting thing with the Raptors, like uh, on the, on the court, the only real true threat from three uh, for the starting lineup is OG. I mean, Dennis is, is okay. But I don't think teams are going to. Uh, he's 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 never been a great three point shooter. He didn't even and, draw. He hit the three, but he didn't draw a closeout from De'Aaron Fox, which is meaningful. yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, like I think it's so hard to be successful, especially in the half court um, in the NBA today, without spreading the floor more. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't understand what's going on with the team at this point. And, uh, I mean, it sounded like uh, I was talking to an unnamed um, uh, person and uh, it does appear that they tried to trade uh, uh, Pascal over the well, summer. And, like, actually, actually not just taking offers, but trying to do it. And it didn't work out, and that's why there's some disconnect now. This this um, was their third time pushing hard for a Pascal trade. Um, yeah, I've mentioned it before, but they they had very intense talks trying to trade Pascal to Cleveland prior to drafting Scotty. That was one of the yeah, big ones. Yeah. He he's been yeah, discussed. I think you mentioned that last night. Yeah, he's been discussed openly. Um, well, not openly in that we're used to but he's been discussed a few times. The team, similar to Kyle Lowry, like it, you can look at the way that Kyle Lowry was handled over the his tenure. They tried to trade him like four times because they're like, well, we're not sure, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, he, was, and, 
He was basically traded to the Knicks at one point. He was basically traded to the Knicks. He was basically in a sign-and-trade to the Timberwolves. He was talked heavily the championship season for Mike Conley. But they ended up with Marcus. Oh, I hadn't heard that. JV. Yes. They were trying to uh, swap JV and Kyle for Conley and Mark. Like that's so the re- oh, guys wow. get talked about. The cool thing yeah. though for Scotty Barnes and for people who are really big fans of him, not really being talked about. The Raptors really believe yeah. in Scotty going forward. Um Pascal, he came out of nowhere in the eyes of the organization to make all NBA again. You know, yeah. um, he's he gets better every year, basically. So you have to keep recalibrating your idea of who he is as a player. Maybe this season, who knows what developments there are, or if this is maybe the first time in a long time that we see it stagnate a little bit. Who knows? But we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the defense and the, you know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we ta- yeah. We, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fine. But we've talked about how great the transition was. That was largely a product of the defense. And the Raptors, I think most people I've talked to at the very least see like a top 10 finish as far as like defensive rating this season. I think they could. They'd have to. They have to. They can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. They have to. Um, the roof is basically the roof. They they can they can rank really highly. What did you make of their their defense in, I guess, the open practice, which you saw, which I didn't see, and the preseason game, which we both saw? Yeah. Um, one thing that I noticed and, uh, somebody mentioned is that, uh, like one of the players in one of the, um, uh, the interviews, um, is there not, oh, it was, uh, it was, uh, Jakob there. They don't seem to being, uh, be being as, as aggressive. They're not getting out. They're not, uh, cause that's, that's the one thing that, that happened a lot last year. Well, I mean previous years is they get out but they get beat and they didn't have anybody really to help them behind i mean yes they have length but they don't have i mean they still don't have any any real great shot blockers and they uh there was a lot less i mean there was still but a lot less uh aggressiveness on the on the perimeter and a lot less um uh driving from sacramento and uh well, not not allowing them to uh, to get into the paint as much. Yep. Um, Great. And when they did get the paint, in, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and when they when the ball did get in the paint, it was packed. So uh, there were um, there were a number number of times when uh, got the ball in the paint, and for a second I thought, oh, this is it, and then they had to throw it out because there was nothing down there. So they are protecting the paint a lot more. Um, now, I don't know. I think they were, they were lucky that Sacramento didn't, uh, didn't shoot the three as well. Cause I think um, they're, uh, I mean, they're, you know, they're obviously covering the three, but I think that they will be allowing the three a bit more than uh than they have, which I mean, we have some, they've... we have some stats for that actually. Um, oh, last okay. year in the, in the Fredless lineups, now percentages come and go, you know, on yeah. certain sample sizes, but frequencies typically you you they normalize earlier. And without Fred, when the Raptors played bigger, um, they allow more threes. 
That's just yeah. that's that's part of how they defend with their their bigger lineup. Even if Schroeder is in there, they're going to allow more threes. Um, they allowed over like forty percent last year. I don't think that's realistic. It was not good. I was just going to say they they were near the bottom for both uh, frequency attempts and, and percentage yeah. uh, for opponents. And but I don't think they'll allow like twenty five or twenty two percent like they did against the Kings. Like it'll it'll come up, but. Um, they did such a great job of denying that dribble penetration. Part of that is being able to switch actions. Part of that is having a lot of length to cover out to like two feet above the three-point line without gambling. That's what length does. Yeah. Is like those closeouts. You can you can kind of be chopping your feet, still be in the vicinity. They did a pretty and this is something they did. Like they while Sacramento had established themselves as the best offense in the NBA. It's the back end of January. And everybody was like, how do we stop this team? They're brilliant. The Raptors held them to what, like less than 100 points because they are really well equipped to shut down dribble handoff led offenses. We've seen it happen yeah. against the Heat as well. When you have a lot of length and switchability, um, the best offense you can come up against is one led by dribble handoffs because it depends. You can put OG Ananobi on Sabonis or Bam Adebayo if you'd like. Jakob did a really great job of containing and playing the middle between two guys as the Raptors caught up with their length. Um, the guy who was the worst at it was Jalen McDaniels. He got cooked twice. And it's because he started yeah. playing. He started playing too high on the ball handler, and he left. I think it was Jakob the one time and Chris Boucher the other time in just an untenable yeah. two-on-one situation. But the Raptors, like defensively. If you can limit the paint and limit the corner threes, that's a lot different than that's, what they have been doing. But no exactly. matter what percentage people shoot elsewhere, you're coming from a strong place. And if they have any ability to kind of suppress threes in certain parts of the court, I think uh, moving teams, their shot chart from the corner up to above the break is going to net like a significant win in the percentages. And it's going to yeah. make like... Lots of teams have like six guys who can hit a corner three. Most teams have like two or three players who can hit an above the break three and above you worry break, about yeah. it. The Raptors understand that well as a team that's like, yeah, Thad can make it from the corner. Pascal can make it from the corner. Scotty can make it from the corner. You get above the break and they're like, they're, yeah, it's they're Gary, not, it's OG. That's, that's tough. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the defense, I was like, I saw what I needed to see. Um, a few back cuts here and there. Um, but that's yeah. going to happen. That's going to happen when you're running like delay action. That's what delay action yeah. is trying to do. Yeah, I there was one. Uh, I mean, it was with uh, who was it now? I, well, there was one I remember with Grady Dick who just got toasted on a uh, on a back cut, and I just thought, oh, rookie. But he, then, yeah, he I mean, cheats, man. He loves to cheat. That yeah, was summer does. league he too. Does. Like, and you can yeah. see, I like cheating early because it means you're reading the play and then you can yeah. it's well, I don't know everybody's heard it but you'd rather tell somebody not to go as far than to try and get them going like he's very engaged as to what's happening at the point of attack but yeah he has to pin yes. in some of that stuff yeah yeah I guess um, we'll see that yeah but uh, no overall I like the I like the defense more than I like the offense uh, you know, I, there were some things I liked about the offense, but the defense was uh, was definitely um, I liked it better than at this stage last year. I mean, barely remember 
it's always it's always rough in the in the preseason and the and the first few games. But uh, no, I mean there's 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 things there. But that's they've got the length. And yep. do you know who they this team size wise reminds me of? I mean, might be a bit before your time was the the Jailblazers back in the nineties. Like with just Pippen? this. Uh, no, no, it was before. Uh, or, oh, was Pippen there in '99? Did he make it to Portland? I guess it's still not. He, he didn't make it to Portland. I, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, but they weren't the they weren't the 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 Jailblazers then. That was um, like '96, '95. Yeah, and I I saw them. Uh, you know when the Grizzlies played here. And uh, I was standing right by the um, the uh, entrance and exit, and they were just massive, just massive. Like I'd seen lots of NBA teams before, and these guys were a step above that. And the the Raptors, for the most part, I mean, not quite the not quite as big, but uh, they remind me a lot of that. And um, Similar, similar strength and, and weaknesses too, with, with that team. Mike Prada is a bit of a, a basketball historian, and he yeah. had um, referenced the I think ninety two, ninety three SuperSonics. Does that mean anything oh, to yeah. you as far as like being similar to the Raptors in style? I was a big fan of the SuperSonics then. Um, I guess West Coast that would make sense. Well, I wasn't on the West Coast then. Oh, I there was. Uh, I'm. I'm originally from Ontario, and '92. Um, I was at uh, Carleton University. Actually, um, I'm now dating myself. So, <laughs> every, everyone, everyone, just forget I said that. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, that was uh, that was Peyton and Camp. And, uh, um, yeah, Back crew. yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I, I don't really see a big cause they, they I mean, they got, they got no one like Peyton and they got no, I mean, I guess they didn't have great, uh, they had length. Yeah. I guess in, in that aspect, they have, they have length and, and not a whole lot of outside shooting. They ran a lot. Um, but you know, they had Peyton and they had Kemp. The hard to, hard to replicate like stars. That. Yeah. It's hard to replicate. <laughs> exactly. Stars. Yeah. They were both, they were both just, I mean, Peyton was the, the best point of attack, uh, defender in the league and, and Kemp, it was impossible to contain him. Like he was, he was, he was athletically those who don't know. Go Sounds watch like some, Scotty and Pascal, um, surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they wish. Um, yeah, I, I mean, however much I, I do like those players, Scotty and Pascal, uh, and they've got uh, strengths that that uh, Kemp didn't have. Certainly. Kemp was the most athletic, might have been the most athletic big we've ever seen. He was he was just a, a phenomenon. But anyway, sorry, that's. Uh, Going down yeah. another rabbit hole. Well, I figured I figured I might as well ask just to see if anything clicked. Because isn't that <laughs> half the fun of basketball? Is you're like someone just says something and you're like, ah, yeah, I can see it. Like you have this this yeah. foggy picture of a team. But 
you know, it's it's hard to remember exactly how teams play. Like as you said, the Raptors when they played the Jazz, like they bludgeoned the Jazz in the first preseason game last year, and yeah, you know, they won by yeah. thirty two points. Their defense was like a complete lockdown, but it was super aggressive. Like they were doing like yeah. half court traps. They were meeting guys yeah. super high. They were pressuring the ball like crazy, and their offense was terrible. But they got out in transition the same way, except they only had eighteen and I, assists and way less turnovers. Yeah, and I I think that works to a point in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But teams start to first of all, uh, teams NBA teams pass too well. NBA players are are too smart to continue to fall for that over and over and over again. Um, my high school team does that <laughs> because, uh, I mean, getting back to that, uh, we didn't have last year, we didn't have a player that was even six feet mm. on our senior boys, high, uh, high school. So we trapped, we, uh, did half court trap, uh, similar to, oh, the college I'm completely lost. They're famous for doing their, their half court. I'm not much of a college guy, I gotta be honest, so I won't help you pull it. Sorry, completely out of my head. But um, we averaged over 30 steals a game. Uh, I mean, there were... (laughs) We had had quickness. We had had two guys that were averaging over five steals a game. Um, But we shot 28% from three. Even... You coached Even, the Raptors. You yeah, should know well, everything yeah. about this team. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, and I did take a lot of cues from them. And that can work in high school ball. It does not work over the season in, in NBA just because players are too smart. Teams are too smart. They're too talented. And I think that's why they, they started getting killed on that. It's a nice idea, but I don't think it works. You trap a superstar um, once, you make them get rid of the ball. You trap a middling player, you get a turnover. You trap a middling player three times, they've figured it out. They'll make the right read. Like it just, you got to throw it at them and be like, we got one possession. You know, that's a exactly. coach's job is like, I can steal yeah. with my, with, I can steal by making the call like six possessions a game. It's my job to steal those six possessions. Hopefully we get, you know, four or five that's huge win during the course of the game. Otherwise, I got to make sure these guys are happy. I got to make sure we played a scheme and I got to make sure in practice they understand the, the tenets of what we're doing. But like as far as during the game, and you got you got to make the right subs, of course. But yeah, yeah, as far as like calling the trap at the right time, there's a reason the Raptors, Michael Grange has said this, and I've also gotten this in talking to scouts and coaches around the league, is that nobody respected that defense for the first half because they're like, we know where the help is coming from. We know it's coming. Just make the pass and we'll have a four on three advantage. It's easy peasy. And they were getting bludgeoned on defense. It's, it's no wonder they, I'm glad with the changes they've made, I guess, in summation. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And preseason, the, the name that I always think of when I watch preseason and this name will not mean anything to you or, I would imagine any of the people here, listeners, is Fennis Dembo. Never heard. I uh, don't know. No, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I, back in, back when I was young, uh, it was back before the Raptors, I would go to the, 
they had preseason games in uh, Toronto and Hamilton, and we used to go to those because that was the only time you could see NBA basketball. And we saw it was the year after they they won one of their championships, the um, uh, Detroit and Atlanta. And there was a player named Fennis Dembo, who was a, a second round pick. And he looked amazing. He got some playing time, obviously, because it's preseason. And we were all like, I, I went with a bunch, bunch of friends and uh, we were talking about, oh, he's, he's great. And uh, I'd heard, I think he scored like, you know, maybe 20 points in it and looked good doing it. I mean, mm -hmm. in preseason, he, he didn't play that season and he was off the team. I don't know if he even made the end of the season. If he did, yeah. he was gone the next, uh, the next season. Preseason means nothing. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm e even the beginning of the season means nothing. Uh, just because, especially now, because uh, there's so there's four games in preseason. There used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like twice as many. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I remember uh, like, if you look at the, I like to do this just for fun is I look at the, the pre or the season standings after, say 15 games and see how that is. And it's never ever yeah. remotely the same. I mean, you get uh, the Pelicans and the jazz know. are a great example of, yeah. <laughs> the Pelicans were first after 30 games, I think crazy yeah. enough. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's why, that's why the early season preseason and early season, I think is very dangerous to, to um, make judgments I mean, you can see what what teams are doing, but even then, they don't they don't bring in sets until later in the season. Stuff that they've been working on in the uh, early, a lot of times, just because they don't want teams to see it. Yeah. So. Well, that's the, anyway, that's the sorry. thing is like, how do you how do you measure? That's that's the funny thing too, right? Is like especially when a team is rebranding, selling something new, yeah. which the Raptors are. It's like. How much stock do you put into what they're telling you they're going to be doing? And of course, they tell you like, hey, this is going to work. We're going to do something that works. But you also, on some level, have to be able to value what you're seeing. Like you just you just have to have some sort of an analytical value from like, okay, I see them do this. We have to derive something. But it's like, is what you're deriving, is it like 60% less valuable than it would be on you know, they say that the record in January is the best indicator for future success. I don't know why, but that's the, the analytical. So your record in January is apparently a really good indicator. So maybe like a game in January. The record or the record the, for January? The record for January, yes. Oh, okay. I yeah. can understand that because that's, that's when teams tend to... Uh, especially the, the, the lower teams lower talent teams they you know things wane they um they they relax a little bit uh they they rely some of them more are getting on, traded that's a thing too well some of them are getting traded too yeah. but that's when when talent rises to the top 
because it's the it's the dog days. It's yeah. before the the um, the All Star break. Teams have been playing for a couple of months, and yeah, the 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 good teams are going. Okay, well now we'll we know how to play. Let's start playing now. Yeah. Whereas the the teams like the Jazz or uh, or the Pelicans suddenly start. Yeah. And, and plus teams are now seeing the, the, uh, their opponents for, um, second, third a second time, or third sure. time. And they've, they've done more scouting. So they're saying, Oh, well, we know like the, uh, the half court traps or the, um, the, Ra- the Raptors, you know? Yeah. We, we know what to do now. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, the good teams, they're doing stuff with either, you know, by coaches or by players that uh, that work better. So, well, the the big thing is like some teams will succeed early on in the season because they're doing things that other teams are like, oh, this is new. We didn't really see this coming. By January, everybody knows what's They've coming. Seen it coming. And then, so the yeah. you know the interesting thing is like if Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are running like a ghosted screen, everyone can say like ghost, ghost. But <laughs> yeah, good good luck. You know, yeah, exactly. You, you can defend it perfectly. It they're still going to get that points per possession. It's going to be like a very high percentile play. Um, yeah, Tim, that's what I mean by like talent rises. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's <laughs> I'm ba- I'm doing a bad job reiterating your points for no apparent reason. But I want to say, do you have any parting shots? We've put an hour of basketball conversation into this thing. Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, just uh, my highlight for the for the preseason game last night was I don't know if you saw my my tweet. Um, the crowd yelling, we want Dick. And then him coming in and uh, I posted the crowd finally got the Dick they were asking for. Yes. Um, But they were, uh, he was the most popular player on the, uh, on the floor. And uh, I just thought I I'm looking forward to seeing all the Dick jerseys. So there's going to be a lot of them. It's uh, I would not only so. yeah. not only is he like there's a lot of flair to his game, but yeah. he is also like a little TikTok star. He's very yeah. funny. He's like very open about being a goofball, and that increases a lot of popularity. Paired with a name that people are very excited to like make jokes about, put on the back of their jersey. Like, yeah, there's a and, there's a lot of potential for him in the Canadian market for sure, and. And you can see who he is on the court, no matter who else is on there. Go, oh, there he is. And for a lot of yeah. fans, that's, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's a he's the lanky white guy with the little blonde with, with the ball, floppy you know? hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I do, uh, on a, um, talking about Grady, I do uh, think he'll, uh, he'll, succeed i i think he's a i think he's going to be a a very nice player uh jamma was talking about how much of a a better rebounder he is than a lot of people Mm -hmm. realize that'll that'll uh you'll hear that in the uh in the interview um and yeah he's making some passes and some reads that uh i mean not a lot but that don't he, he doesn't look i mean sometimes he looks confused out there but there are times when he doesn't look like a rookie. Sometimes he does, but there are times when he doesn't, and he's making reads that that look like, oh, this is a guy who you know, two or three years in would would see, 
but yeah. uh, but he's doing it. So yeah, no, I have a lot of uh, I, I like that pick. Um, I think he's exactly what they need to the shooting. But yeah, no, I think he's a I think he's a smart player, and I think he's going to do well. I yeah. think he's going to have his struggles, but yeah, yeah, that's something that a lot of teams in the pre-draft process, the workouts will run players through is these actions where you attack a closeout. They have the defense rotate differently each time and they know what the optimal pass is each time. Um, the Raptors do that. Other teams in the NBA do that. Not only with the Raptors, but in talking to other uh, team personnel, Grady killed yeah. that. He he reads the floor very quickly. Um, he's got okay, a really great interesting. Defense. He's got a really great sense yeah. for that. And that was something you could see at, well, as I said earlier, I don't watch a ton of college, but once the Raptors drafted Grady back into the film, I go empty side actions. Yeah. He made great reads. Um, he does a great job of like, you know, you get the pass, like let's say it's a skip or something to the corner. He pumps, he goes, you're looking at the opposite side. They do the weak side zone. Is the guy leaning corner? Is he leading above the break? And Grady does a really great job of like keeping his eye on that guy, knowing where the help defense is and kind of sussing out where the rotation is going to be and always winning that game of cat and mouse. Um, sometimes you end up drawing a guy, you know, the corner three. Sometimes you look the, the rotation into the corner and a 45 cut comes and it's like boom. And then a dunk, um, we should see some of the, we should see him link up with uh, Boucher, and Precious in particular on some of those this, this season, um, if he shoots yeah. the ball well enough. But And also, like, the difficulty of... He had two shots. The one got taken away because of the double dribble, but he was just yeah. floating 18 feet sideways, putting it up, just everything in the wrist, right? He's a, he's a very well, natural talent. And he's got... I mean, he's tall, but when mm -hmm. he shoots, there was a, a couple of photos I took where it's really uh, noticeable. He shoots... Uh, first of all, he jumps high on his shot. Yep. Uh, and for a big guy, that's that's not all that common. A little bit like Dale Ellis, again, uh, Sonics. <laughs> um, but he was tall, and he would jump on those shots. Um, uh, and he, he shoots, like, his hand is about as high extended above him as possible when he's shooting. So he's got the length, he's got the jump, and he's got the extension. And yeah, you can see that those shots that he took, it's going to be hard to block that shot. So he's going to get that shot off. Yep. Which is um, not as meaningful in the regular season. But if you want to do the thing where you say, how does, because this happens all the time to shooters in the playoffs, it gets suppressed. Yeah. I can't get a shot off. I If I just had the shot, I'd be hitting, the offense would be worrying. And Grady is a guy who a few years down the road, hopefully when they're, we'll you know, maybe that, this yeah. year, who knows, but when they're playing that more meaningful, gritty style of basketball in a phone booth, he can move through it and pop through the top for a jumper. Like it's that kind of stuff is really important for the high end of the the shooter stuff. It did the one he hit. It looked like the same approach as JJ Redick, just floating in air sideways, except he's five and inches taller, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they ran the same play for him, I think, uh, three different times, and he uh, he got the shot off easily. There was one, I think, I think it was the one he made. The guy was right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw in the photo. Yep. Like, I mean, he uh, he yep. was right there, but he still got it off. Um, 
Yeah, just run him off interest. a wide pin, let him do his thing. Exactly. Um, but uh, interestingly, he played with the the black team almost uh, immediately in the open uh, open gym, and I thought, oh, I wonder if uh, I wonder if he's going to be in the rotation because it looked the way they were playing him, it looked like oh, they they want to see him him run with Scotty and uh, and that crew, and then in the uh, in the or in the open gym and in the preseason, he didn't he didn't get off the bench until the End of the third Fourth quarter. quarter. Yeah. End of the third quarter. Okay, yeah, something like yeah. that. It was it was later on. Yeah, so I don't know. He he doesn't pr- probably not in the rotation just yet, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tim, interviews forthcoming. Stuff to pay attention to. Are you writing yes. for the site this year? Any any features? Do you think? <laughs> I, I I mean I have uh, I, I'm busy in in life I I you know have my day job and I, I coach so I only write when I feel like there's something that I have to get off my chest and I know I know what I have to get off my chest pisses a lot of people off and uh, <laughs> that's that's part of the fun of it um, but I will no doubt have something to to say this year. Um, but yeah, definitely keep out, keep an eye out for the the. There's going to be a video of the um, of the training camp that I think is going to be good, um, and then the interview with Gemma, who you you definitely have to. He's just it just like I said, just a great interview, and uh, I'm I'm going to do the full interview for that just because everything he says is is gold. So yeah. By the time I had started covering the team in person, he had moved on. So when I saw him at Summer League, uh, I was so excited to like introduce myself, like, hey, I'm covering the team this year and have a chat with him. He, he's he's the best. There's a reason why yeah. everybody over in Golden State was like, oh, he's the best. And before that in Toronto, everybody's like, oh, he's the best. And then he comes back and everyone's like, oh, he's the best. Um, <laughs> I, I told him I was disappointed when it when I saw that he uh, he moved on to Golden State. But that's great. I mean, if you want experience coaching, yeah. that's the well, place to go. He won a championship with two separate teams. Like that's a exactly. I was just going to say two two titles too, and uh, and now styles. the offensive. Sorry, playing completely different styles as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now he's he's what the number uh, two guy in the bench. Yeah, and offensive coordinator. So great. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, how long uh, Raptors can hold on to him? I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. That's yeah. like the the Jordy. I think he's Fernandez got an upward tra- trajectory. Sorry, the Jordy Fernandez as well. Sacramento mm-hmm. and Toronto, both their second guys. I don't know how long their second guys for. Yeah, they're exactly. both young. Yeah, who, I, like. Yeah, Jordy's forty. We looked it up because he looks younger in person. Um, because we, we we did a uh, he he did a, a, a pregame interview and uh, yeah he looks he looks like he's about thirty first of all. I hate guys like that. Handsome um, chap, man. <laughs> Handsome chap. But uh, yeah, and part of me kind of wishes the the Raptors. I mean, I like Darko, but I I, I know that those those were the two uh, finalists, and uh, I think they bring very different very different vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think I think the Raptors. Oh, the I know we're we're you know you you want to wrap it up, but the, I think. Uh, the Raptors couldn't have picked a guy more different than Nick Nurse in almost every single way, and I think that was intentional. So, yeah, 
I'm, I hope that's not, you know, something they regret. But well, I think we'll see. There can be two really good coaches, you know, like that's yes. that's the thing too. Um, Jordy was also I had voiced, um, kind of like diving into the coaches. I was like, Jordy's my favorite. I would like to see them hire him. I was overjoyed. I that, yeah, I was overjoyed that he ended up coaching the Canadian team, which obviously they reached height. The men's national team reached heights they never had before. He did it in two months. Um, awesome job. Yeah. But Darko, in talking to him. He is also, as far as like publicly accessible conversations he's had about coaching, um, like yeah. second to none. If you want to dive into what does my coach think about things, he's the guy. And you're right, as far as um, demeanor, very dissimilar from Nick Nurse. So there's a lot of differences. Yeah. I like both coaches. Be happy yeah. to to cover either, talk to either, all that good stuff. But Tim, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no. No, <laughs> leave it there. Is, is there something you think I should say? Tank for Wiggins. <laughs> oh, you're looking at my, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I still think we should have done that, you know. <laughs> I mean, why, why, I, wouldn't, why wouldn't you hold to the same ideals? I mean, it's all the time later, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think there are some readers that, that take things a bit, uh, a bit too seriously. Sure. And uh, I love to troll those people because, um, <laughs> That's just my personality. But uh, yeah, no. Tank for Wiggins. Let's go yeah. Wiggins. You got to have your fun somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Take, take as much exactly. of it as you can get. Um, Tim, not only thank you for coming on and talking to me, but your coverage of training camp was really great. It really helps elevate what Raptors Republic is able to do. Um, we've never had that good. Certainly when I go to practices, the videography is not as, or the pictures are not as good as what you brought. And, um, I'm excited for the forthcoming coverage. Thank you so much. Sorry. And just a quick note, uh, those who haven't seen it, it is on social media there. Uh, I don't think it's been posting on the site. So check out the, uh, the Instagram, the the Twitter, and I don't know. And YouTube. Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. The, The stuff has been posting. Yep. Um, yeah, we could probably just make a link when one of the, the interviews comes out that links every video. I think that would probably be smart okay. if people want to catch up, but yes, Tim, thank you listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. If you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>